Mr. Luke Clayton, I am jealous. You are about to crawl on a plane, fly up north to a fishing camp in northern Saskatchewan with some guys that are friends. And uh, I know some of them have not gone up there before in the past, but uh, you have. And so my first question to you is, is what are you doing to, for these last little bit to get ready for the trip? And, and then, two, what kind of paperwork do they require you when you come up to that? I know what it takes to go up there for for a rifle hunt, but uh, I've never been up there just on a fishing trip. Yeah, well, good morning, Larry. Uh, Good morning to you, sir. I'm all uh, (laughs) fired up and ready. Uh, I'm one of these people that do not start, I don't start packing like two weeks ahead, like you, you know. I mean, I know what I need, (laughs) and I've got a room in there, uh, a bedroom. I lay that that, uh, suitcase out about the, well, actually this morning, early, you know, and start sticking stuff in it so yeah well there's really you know of course a fishing license and i'll be in in saskatchewan and you can go to a walmart when you get up there in saskatoon a place like that you know um and and buy one but i want to make sure i've got one so i just i'm kind of old school larry i called the number about two weeks ago and a lady assisted me and it in about oh a week it came through the mail the fishing license so right and it's really it's really cheaper if you're going to fish well one or two days then you can buy the one day license up there and i'm sure this would be good on hold true on any of the providences but saskatchewan is where i always go um it's it's really better to go ahead and buy your yearly license because it's, it really comes out cheaper than if you're going to say fish four days and you want to buy a daily license, you'll you'll be you'll come out dollar wise. You'll be better off to have a, a yearly license. So, as far as paperwork, you know, of course, getting across the border, you'll you'll need your passport. And right. um, the thing about fishing up there, Larry, and it's a lot like uh, I know you were recently up there hunting. It's right. uh, once you uh, make connections with an outfitter whether it's a fishing outfitter or a hunting outfitter once you make connection with with those folks uh really all you've got to be concerned with well your license of course but right. is your airfare get getting up to a hub up there up in the north and in hubs or calgary and uh, you know saskatoon edmonton, and, yeah, and, edmonton. And, and, Right. Yeah. So once you get there, uh, the lakes that we fish, uh, you know, we've talked about this a little in the past, but they're fly-in lakes. So um, your outfitter is going to be very, very helpful, especially the first time you go up, because usually when you get to where the float planes are now, in Saskatchewan, that could be Stony... Well, Stony Rapids is where you're going to probably get off, but um, say La Ronge... You know, or a place like that. Uh, once you get there, there's a. They have you. The outfitters got you covered because if you book a fishing trip, that's used almost always, as far as I've ever noticed, is included in the the fishing. You know, yeah. So, um, so really, there's no. It's it wouldn't be nearly as complicated. I wouldn't think as taking a firearm across. You know, there's no. There's no real paperwork other than your license, Larry, as far as I know, you know? Right. Anytime you go up and anytime you travel, as far as I'm concerned, particularly out of country, you're going to have to have one of the call it Farm 4457, which is a 
a proof of your firearm and your optics. Actually, now mm-hmm. they require you to have yep. a serial number for your scope. And you do that at a local customs office. You live close to the international airport, and then uh, there is a form that you have to fill out, and you can get that online uh, for a gun. And then you don't sign it until you get to the to their customs, and then there's a $25 fee on the gun, and it, it lasts for like 60 days or something like that. So with a firearm, uh, beyond that, uh, you know, with carrying cameras, a lot of times what I've found is I've only once have I been questioned on my return about cameras, but uh, it's usually a pretty good idea if you got a fancy camera or something like that, that uh, you get a 4457 done on those as well, too. Because that again is, is uh, proof of ownership when you come back to the states and rather than looking at it, uh huh, he bought that thing while he was in Canada. Now you got to pay a tariff on it or tax on it. So uh, okay, Larry. So the cameras, yeah, I just use a basic Nikon and a little Sony video camera. But I've never had a problem. But I, I would imagine, you know, sophisticated uh, filming equipment. They can and the scopes. I think part of that, the rifle scopes, uh, I know, um, well, thermal scopes is a big deal of crossing, so that's, that might be part of it. They want to know if you are using a night vision or something like that, possibly, you know? Right, and and basically what it is is I've never had uh, Canadian customers want to see your 4457, although I take that back, I have, where they wanted to see the proof of ownership that you were bringing in and the scope thing, it actually kind of started not that very long ago. So the thermal thing may have something to do with it, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, right. <laughs> what red, what, what we, will, we will classify the whole thing under one broad deal, governmental uh, <laughs> stuff, let's call it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. But, yeah, I, I'm pretty much uh, packed and, and ready to roll. It's uh, ready to fly and roll. Uh, and, and, you know, Back to, we've talked about this a little bit in our previous podcast here, but um, there's all kind of options on fishing, and this is, right now, I guess bear season's kind of wrapping up or wrapped up, but it's time to fish now. And uh, a lot of the outfitters still have openings. A lot of them have people year to year that just stay on the books with them. You know, they just get familiar with uh a lake kind of like where we're going to Esquatican Lake. Um, the Rapid River feeds Esquatican, and there's a gentle, slow, slow flow of fresh water coming in and going out of that lake all the time, Larry. And it's very interesting there because there's a, the outflow is called Airplane Falls. And back in the 30s, 1930s, uh, there was a forest fire, and they the float plane flew in back then in the late 30s, I believe it was, and the it was a nobody got hurt, but the plane got wrecked. They got oh the, the fall. There's a beautiful falls there at the outfall of Esquatican, and th- so they landed on the lower lake there. I, you know, get away from trees and all that where they could land with the float plane. And something happened to the motor on that thing, and and they could not get it started. And it's the current, the slow current. They were not very oh, far from the fault. You, you know, the rest of the story, you probably already <laughs> yeah, figured yeah. out. So, yeah, I can see what, what was going to happen there. <laughs> thus the name Airplane Falls. So, uh, I mean, there's fishing is, is great. All, I've never been to a place up there that wasn't awesome fishing. But, you know, uh, even if you didn't catch one fish, it's still amazing because, like, down the river, 
from that falls, not far up on a cliff, is an old, uh, you know, uh, the Cree Indians had a uh, cave headquarters. You can see the smoke and little pictograph still there on the wall. I, you got to wonder how many people, you know, I, I know that Bryce Liddell there, Squatican Lake Lodge, the camp, he takes people up there occasionally. But, you know, that's just been there for eons. No telling how long, you know. You're, you're exactly right. I want to come back to the float plane thing because I've, <laughs> I've flown in numerous of them. And one of the things I wanted to ask, I know that y'all are buying groceries when you get into Saskatchewan, and then you're going to carry those up. Those will go on the float plane. Are there any weight restrictions that they give you? Because usually when I've flown on, on float planes, they go, okay, it's you, and you can take a grand total of, say, 50 pounds with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I always thought. I mean, I know that's the general rule, but for some reason, there was a general a pilot the the first time I got up there, went up there, it's years back, and uh, he was seventy. I think he was around seventy four, seventy five years old. But he'd been flying a bush pilot all of his life. Right. Uh, uh, just a super, well, he's a kind of a dry individual. He spent a lot of time <laughs> looking down at them lakes, you know, but he was a super nice guy. And uh, I remember, man, there was probably 10 of us that got on this, what, a twin otter, I think it was, you know. Oh, okay. That explains it right there. Well, that <laughs> one, but they're all not twin otters that we've I've flown on. But that one, I thought, wait a minute now. Uh, I mean, people, I, I asked him, I remember, well, sir, I don't know. We haven't weighed these. I oh, don't worry about weighing them. You know, it just <laughs> kind, of, kind of a rough old boy, you know. He said, don't worry about weighing them. Just pile them on. I'll tell you when you get too much on here. Like, <laughs> they were packing these big bags of ice and dragging them up there down the gangplank, loading them up in that plane. And then there was about, I don't know, 10 of us or so. And I thought, wait a minute, how much weight have we got on this thing? This old boy never blinked an eye. Well, there, there are two planes that they fly up there. There's the Havilland Beaver and the Havilland Otter. And they're some of the bigger planes, and those are kind of the workhorses. I don't think they've been made since 1947. Yeah. I think when the last one of those was produced to be either the Otter or the uh, the Beaver. But they can carry an unbelievable amount of weight. So uh, if, if you're flying in one of those, you're pretty safe in what you carry kind of thing. But, but yeah. Yeah. But when you get into some of the smaller ones, and a lot of times there is a weight restriction yes. as to what they can't take and what what can pick up off the lake kind of thing. That it's interesting because Bryce Liddell, who's become a good friend through the years, uh, he's come down to Texas here and, and hunted hogs with us in the winter and right. fished with with uh, David Hanson and you know he's he's come down. Well, one time he's planning another trip down here. But he's got a Satawa, I believe it's called. It's a, it's actually a stunt plane. My uh, son-in-law, who's a, a jet pilot, had one for a while. But it, it, so Bryce is about, uh, I don't know, 20 air minutes from the nearest settlement. And when he needs some groceries or, say, somebody needs something while one of his guests or his clients up there fishing, he he fires that thing up just like we would. Oh, got need need a gallon of milk, uh, Luke, uh, from the wife there. And okay, I'll be back. Okay. Bit. You know, just he fires that thing up and buzzes off. It's a, it's a whole different world up there. It, it truly is, and that to me is part of that adventure of going up into that northern country like that. Yeah, it's uh, and and it, it's a seasonal thing because from uh, before May. And after about October, it's over with. I mean, you right. know, as far as uh, fishing, well, it's really not, you know, the ice fishing. I've never done that. I'd like to sometime. 
but um you know it's just uh it's a whole different different world and 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 something that people for the first time have to get accustomed to and i did and i still do is the amount of daylight you know it's uh gosh as, as i remember you know it's you can see to walk around out there at midnight now during the summer you know outside yeah. when i was up on the bear hunt here about two three weeks ago whatever it is now uh we our, our legal shooting time at, by the tail end of that hunt was like five minutes after or maybe 10 minutes after 11 o'clock <laughs> at <Yeah>. night <clears throat> and and really throughout the night you could see and and we were very fortunate one of those nights it was relatively clear they fortunately got a bunch of rain because all that country was really really dry and fires were going on and i guess still going on but yeah. uh, one of the nights when it was relatively clear and the smoke wasn't real bad we got to see the northern lights so when it does get dark sometimes even or relatively dark you find yourself sitting outside you know just staring at the sky just marveling at those northern lights i know it's kind of a side uh comical thing i've got a, a nephew that's this will be his first time he was a, a crappie guide here in uh, near df near, near dallas fort worth right. for, for 25 years he's a he's he's all about catching a fish and i've i've warned him i said now look you're gonna have to you know you'll learn this when you get there billy but uh if you don't watch yourself you're gonna wear yourself out about the first first 24 hours by yes, that you will. by that i mean staying out there till 10 30 11 at night fishing and and getting up and fishing in the morning but we, we to answer that other question there uh about the food we this there's all kind of different places i've been to full service i was up at tasman lake lodge last year up in right. nor- northwest you know uh saskatchewan they have a chef on board there and they have the the guides and and you just you know do it yourself but now i mean they do it for you but this place we're going to uh uh lake lodge is is a somewhat do-it-yourself um there's cabins are there new motor new 20 horse motors on 16 foot you know the typical v nose boat that they right. have up there uh we we do bring our groceries so we buy our, our groceries there at a walmart in saskatoon stop by bass pro shops and pick up a few little walleye rigs or whatever and then we drive we will drive about four hours to larange and spend a night there and then the next morning, from Laurens to uh, Mississippi. Hey, I got it right finally. Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, it's just a, an outpost, Mississippi, and uh, that's where the uh, where the float planes are. So, right. We'll we'll and we don't leave till about ten in the morning. So we'll get up the, that morning and make an easy hour drive and have our groceries and all that stuff and. That's kind of way it'll be, Larry. Uh, I guess you know. Uh, I think I'm pretty much ready to start the journey, and it will be a full day's journey getting up there. Yes, it is. It, it'll be a full day's journey, but it sounds like an absolutely great adventure. And I know some of the guys are going up there with you, and I know you're going to have just an absolutely great time while you're there. Well, we will. We've got a really good uh, bunch of people that are enjoy being with each other and it, it'll it'll be lots of fun and you know larry when we get back we'll 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 talk about they've already caught some big northern pike and and some really? 13 pound walleye i've never caught a walleye oh my gracious nowhere near that big but they've caught several eight to nine pounders but I, 
uh, that 13 pounder, I don't know how long he was, maybe 32 inches long. Big one, you know. So we'll see what happens. We'll be probably be uh, have an overload of fish fillets to, that we've eaten <laughs> when we get back. <laughs> <laughs> I bet y'all will. And like I said, I know y'all will have an absolutely great time, and I can't wait to visit and hear about all the adventures that you had while y'all were up there when you get back.